0: What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, Ketosavage.com, and today I have special guest Miles Sullivan, who I met at the Metabolic Health Summit. I'm super excited to dive into a conversation with him here today. How are you, Miles?
1: Good, man. Super, super honored to be on here.
0: Absolutely, brother. I'm I'm honored to have you. So, you kind of alluded a little bit. to your story when I met you there in person and I heard like the first 30 seconds of it, I'm like, man, I gotta get you on the podcast. So just kind of flesh that out in full blown detail, man. Like, let me know, let the audience know, you know, who is Miles Sullivan, kind of what, what your beginning was, what your journey has been and, and what brings you into this space now?
1: Absolutely. So I guess who I am right now, um, I'm a 23 year old living in Massachusetts. And uh I have drug resistant epilepsy with focal seizures and a uh, ganglioglioma brain tumor in my right temporal lobe. I guess how my keto journey started was um three years ago. I was 20 years old attending the College of Charleston in South Carolina, um, and I started having these feelings of vertigo and lightheadedness. Mm-hmm. And um uh, you asked earlier who who I was before I <laughs> I was always the type of guy who didn't, I always thought like everything was genetic. Like you could eat whatever you want and it it doesn't matter. And I, I ate like crap. I would have like two subs a day, just like awful stuff. But anyways, I was 20 years old. I was a sophomore in college and I started getting these feelings of vertigo and lightheadedness. And I would even see things in the corner of my eyes. And I started asking myself like, am I becoming schizophrenic? Like. Am I am I losing my mind here? Mm-hmm. And so I went to a neurologist down there, local neurologist, and um, they tried to reassure me that this is like an inner ear issue. And I kept kind of hinting towards, you know, I, I think I need to get an MRI. They made me go see an inner ear doctor, and they said that there's nothing wrong. And I went and got my eyes tested, and finally I got convinced them to get an MRI. So I went in for the MRI walked out just a normal routine, walked back to my dorm room. And, um, I had had MRIs before, just from stupid stuff, like roughhousing with my brothers and maybe like tore something in my leg and arm. And mm-hmm. I knew that it usually took like a week to get back to you from MRI result. I got, I got a call the next day, um, at eight forty two in the morning, February 15th in 2016. Um, and I had a voicemail. And I was a college kid, so obviously, I was still asleep for the call. And it said, um, hey, Miles, we need you to come back in and go over your MRI results. And the, the nurse just kind of sounded shaken. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I knew right away something was wrong, because they never get back to you that early unless something's there. So, I called my mom and I said, Mom, I, I think I'm going to get some bad news. And my mom being who she is was just super optimistic and said, Don't worry, like everything will be fine. So I just kinda walked to um walked all the way to the medical university of South Carolina and with my headphones in, just not really acknowledging anyone that went by me or my classmates. And I showed up there, I saw my doctor, he walked me and sat me down and he just pulled up this screen and it was um I still remember it to this day. He said, You had a abnormal brain scan and And at the time, I was thinking, oh, like, did I move around too much? Was I, like, rolling around in the MRI machine? We have to redo this? Like, what's the deal? Mm -hmm. He pointed to this little white dot um, in the middle of what was my brain. And uh, he said, do you see this lesion right here? I said, yeah. And he said, that's not supposed to be there. And we don't know what it is. And um, it's true, like, in the movies when they people like to zone out. And you have that ringing sound in your ear. I, um, I got it right there and I just zoned out and everything he said after to me after that, I just couldn't remember. And he handed me this piece of paper. It's it was directions of where to go. And it said, um, I, I think I still have the note, <clears throat> the note said, uh, cancer center. And, um, so I just got up and walked outside and, um, I called my oldest brother, Jake. And I said, uh, Jake, um, I'll do the chemo, I'll do the radiation, but I'm just not ready to die yet. And I just remember my voice started shaking and he he reassured me. He didn't even know what was going on, but he said, whatever this is, we're going to get you through it. And he said, you're not going to die. And um, my mom flew down, flew me back up to Boston. And um, I stayed in the ER for a few nights. And um, I found out that these feelings of vertigo I was having were seizures. And uh, I just went to show how little I knew about seizures. They were um, focal seizures, which is not physical or convulsant, but it's just like a lapse in time for the person experiencing it. It's like a, um out-of-body experience almost. It's very tough to explain unless you have them. But um, so I know I'm rambling on, but...
0: No, no, this, this is good, man. Keep going.
1: So, yeah, I went b- back home to Boston, went to the ER, and they said... Um, it was a great team there. They, they said, we're pretty sure we know what this is. Because what the radiologist originally diagnosed it as was a, a um, glioblastoma, which um, is pretty much a death sentence from what they were telling me. And I was kind of numb at that point. Like I never, I didn't even Google like what it was. Like I, I didn't go online. Like I, I think deep down, I just didn't want to know. And I was just in denial up in Boston, they said, uh, we think we know what this is. We think this is a uh, ganglioglioma tumor, which is one of the rare brain tumors there is. And it's, thank God, usually benign. But they let me out of the ER and they said, we're, we're almost 99% sure that's what this is. Here's some medication to try and control these seizures. see how this works. We're gonna monitor you, but your life's not in direct danger. So I went out, long story short, that was in uh, February and that summer in um, July, I finally met with a neuroscientist and they said, we've seen these turn into something that's not curable and we've regretted not operating on them and we think we need to operate on this. So I went and got my second opinion, they say the same thing. I went overall like the, all the stuff, like the caution of brain surgery, death, double vision, like all that stuff, but I didn't have a choice. I mean, I obviously, I had a choice, but in my mind, I thought, you know what, I got to get this thing out of there. I'm going to spend my whole life thinking what's going to happen.
0: Wait, so they, there was a five-month lag time between when they said, you know, you should be good to go, don't worry about it, to now they're saying this is something we need to operate on?
1: Yeah, yeah. So they were, but the ER, um, I, don't, I guess, specialist in there, the neurologist, said this – were like 99% sure this is benign so you don't this isn't something that's cancerous and has to be operated on it's crucial so it's, it's your choice if you want to monitor this and I didn't dive right into brain surgery right away mm-hmm. but then when I went back in to a different doctor in um, the Brigham and Women's Hospital there in Boston great hospital um, the I guess neuroscientists or neurosurgeon. Um, he didn't convince me but just by by saying that he has seen this type of tumor turn into cancer before where then it becomes inoperable that was kind of like when I looked at my family my family looked at me and we said I think the answer is clear what we got to do here we got to operate on this thing and another reason that is why I chose to do my first brain surgery was because um, the tumor was half a centimeter to the brain stem and the brain stem is inoperable so if it did turn to cancer it it would kill me so um, I decided to do that surgery that was July 26th of 2016 what, what all the surgery
0: consists of like kind of walk me through that process
1: so yeah they brought me in and um, it's called a, a tumor resection and instead of just doing a, a um, biopsy on the tumor and seeing what it is because it was so deep in my brain they said it's the size of P we may as well just take it all out. So, um, I went in at like six in the morning, they put me under anesthesia, hugged my parents goodbye. You know, I said, I'll see you guys on the other side, Hugged my brothers. Um, they wheeled me in and then you're just out. And, um, what they did was they cut through, I don't know how into it you want me to get, but they, um, they cut through my right side of my head with, um, it's pretty advanced technology where I'm in an MRI machine while they're operating on me. And um, they went in. It was a 16-hour operation, um, which was really long. They pro- projected it to be about like eight hours. So my <laughs> my family was panicking, but um, I came out fine. There were no side effects from that surgery. Um,
0: and they had to take, since it was so deep, they had to like take a part of your brain out.
1: The amazing part is... And that's a good question because I mean I still even asked them. I'm like, I, I have no idea how you guys did that, but it was um, mostly done electronically. Where there's um, almost like wires that go in and separate parts of the lobe of your brain where the scalpel can get through. So they tried to be as least invasive as possible. So they didn't cut really any brain tissue on that first surgery, and just took out the tumor. So fast forward a little bit from that. That that was a very quick recovery surprisingly um physically like pain wise i was out of the hospital in two days including the the hours of the surgery so 48 hours in the hospital and i was out and uh, i know it was incredible but um i obviously had some short-term memory issues and just was forgetful about some stuff and i still am to this day but just more so then um but what really happened um, about a month after was my seizures came back because they pro- they didn't promise that taking out the, the tumor would take away the seizures. They said there's no guarantee of that. We just need to get this out of your head because we don't want it to kill you. Mm-hmm. I knew that going in. So, the seizures came back and then they progressively got worse and worse. And I would have up to like seven a day. And I just remember, I finally went back to school and I like, saw all my friends and um, I was a junior and then went through that summer and then into my senior year, it just, that's when it really started getting bad. And um, I just remember being in a library and it, it seemed like an earthquake was going on. And I had to sprint back to my dorm room and vomit and um, I didn't know what was going on. And I was like, oh, it's like, is the tumor coming back? So, I went and saw an epilepsy um, surgeon, which I didn't even know they had. And um, he said that he's convinced that it was the um, tissue around the tumor was damaged from the tumor growing and they needed to take that out to stop the seizures. And um, I did not want to do a second brain surgery, but then he said that these seizures could progress into grand mal seizures, which are convulsant. Uh, if action isn't taken. So, last May, I had my second brain surgery. It was a partial temporal lobectomy, they call it. (laughs) And they took out about probably a golf ball size of brain from around the tumor. But I also discovered (laughs) right before that surgery, my epilepsy specialist kind of poked his head and said, oh, by the way, um, we think there's still some tumor in there. And they didn't operate on that because that wasn't the goal. And it was right by the brainstem because they weren't convinced that's what's causing these seizures. So they only took out the damaged tissue.
0: And that damaged tissue was from the original surgery, that original tumor? Yes. And they took out a golf ball size. You know, I mean, surely, like, did that change the way you thought about things? Like when you recovered from that, did that, did that have an impact on you?
1: So that recovery was brutal. I mean, I was so swollen in my eye. I, um. I remember, my biggest fear from my first surgery, besides death, obviously, was um, permanent double vision because they could nick the optic nerve. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking to myself, like, "Oh, if I saw double of everything, like, I'd be nauseous all day." And I woke up from the second brain surgery um, with double vision, and um, I still have it. Uh, it's gotten better, but I just... Um, what happened is they didn't nick it, but there was in, there's like chronic inflammation in the brain on my optic nerve. so it's kind of weak so my eyeball just kind of goes lazy on the right side and I see double all the time. Yeah, all the time for for months and then um, up until recently now it's just to the left when I look to the left. So um, I was wearing these special glasses for it for a little bit with like a eye patch on one side and I would switch it up which side the patch the strength in my eyes but the pain was really bad. Um, like I said, this was last May so um, or April 30th. So, I uh, was just in a lot of pain and going through that and then I started recovering. And then I'd say probably a month later, uh, I started having seizures again. So, it was a failed brain surgery. At least I say failed, um, but I mean, I'm alive, so I shouldn't say failed, but I was out of options. And then just a shot in the dark, my brother, Max, told my mom like about this keto diet. And, um, I forget who, t- who told me it. I think it was my brother, Max said, we should look into this. I was like, okay. And then I started going on, on social media. My mom had been following this guy for like months because I mean, she was just always worried about me and researching on her own, um, this guy, Josh Perry who has four brain tumors and is a professional BMX rider. Is killing it with four brain tumors. And he's he, um, just always posting keto. So, the shot in the dark, DM'd him about my situation, thinking like, there's no way this guy's going to respond. He has like 50,000 followers. I think that day, either that or the next day, he responded, yeah, man, I'm not a doctor, but um, I want to try and help you with this. Awesome, man. That was eight months ago. And a little more over and I've gone from like I said three to seven seizures a day to I haven't had one in over a month now so I've, I went through six different medications at least for seizures pretty much all of them none of them worked and the diet has pretty much not pretty much the diet saved my life
0: and that's so you've been doing the diet now in total for about uh, how many months you said eight eight months Yep. That's that's see like I don't know man stories like this like you hear and it's like almost sounds too good to be true, but I mean like I met Josh at Metabolic Health Summit. I met you at Metabolic Health Summit. I shook both y'all's hands. It's like these are real people and they're going through these real real life situations. And I mean I don't know man that that is like the coolest thing in the world. Like hearing stories like yours and and you hearing stories like his and how that's motivated you to reach out and now he's helped you kind of find this diet and figure out how to implement it into your own life. And now you're sharing your story and somebody else may, may listen to this or see something that you post and and find hope again. And that, that right there is powerful, man.
1: It really is, man. I mean, and I think the first, um, powerful podcast I ever heard was on here was your podcast. And that's when I really started really getting into keto with the keto community. And it's just, everyone's so positive in it. And, at that summit, I mean, I couldn't believe it how positive everyone was. And I was meeting all these people like yourself and Sean Wells and Ryan Lowry. And it was just really cool. I'm a really lucky guy. I'm a really lucky guy, to say the least. And Josh is just awesome, humble guy, down to earth. And he's just trained me all the way through.
0: Now I'm excited for you, man. Like, like, having, like, obviously nobody wants to have a seizure, a brain tumor, you know, epilepsy by any means. But the fact that you did have that come into your life and now you've kind of found this as a way to help heal that and and not just heal that I mean that that's great as a standalone but now it's helped you integrate and and you know dig into this community and that right there is just I mean it just keeps getting better and better
1: yeah it really does it really does
0: so so talk to me a little bit about like the diet man like when you first started the diet and you I mean, I'm sure you're probably a little bit in disbelief that changes in the way you ate food could have such a profound impact on how you felt and your overall health. I mean, as you said in the beginning, you were kind of convinced that most of it was genetic in the first place. Yeah. Was it pretty hard to, you know, flip that switch and dive deep into nutrition?
1: Yeah. Yes and no. I know that's a confusing answer, but I think I went into it kind of blindly um, just because it was my last option. Uh, and at first, if it, I mean, thank God for Josh because if I just followed information on the internet, I'd have, I wouldn't be doing it right. Yeah. But at first, I mean, I was just eating like coconut oil and just like trying to find any sort of fat to eat. And I was like, oh, like it's fat. Like that's okay to eat. Um, But then I really started z- z- zeroing in on my um, macros because of mm-hmm. Josh. Um, I've found through like research that epileptics, um, are really good with a 75 to 80% fat macro. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I keep my carbs below like 30 grams at least, or at the most 30 grams, net carbs,
0: 30 grams, net carbs or total carbs you said?
1: Uh, net, net carbs, but like, including fiber. So no sugar, alcohols or anything like that. Gotcha. But yeah, it was, it was tough at first. Like I said, I I didn't think diet had anything to do with anything going on. I thought like, oh, it's just genetic, but no one in my family um, lineage ever had a tumor, especially a brain tumor and um, or epilepsy. So, and as Sean Wells says, we're living in the age of ultra processed foods. And that's pretty much all I was eating my whole life growing up was just garbage, especially in college. I mean, I was drinking, I was eating garbage, and then I, I got a brain tumor. Just what I've learned over the eight the past eight months has been incredible, uh, about mitochondrial function dysfunction and fasting and all this miraculous stuff that's been around for so many years that I've never been told or even heard about. So it's been really good.
0: What was your? This is kind of an abstract question, but I'm curious here. What was your like passion and focus prior to any of this? Like when you were 20 years old before any of this hit you, what were you, where were you going? Like, what was the trajectory you were on?
1: Um, well, at first it's crazy. I, I wanted to be a psychologist, yeah. um, clinical psychologist, just cause I like helping people I've always felt like I wanted to do that. Um, and that's where I was heading. And then I got a brain tumor diagnosis and it was pretty crazy two separate classes what we were learning about was brain tumors so i was like you know what i think i want to change my major i changed it to history because that's what i was good at in high school um because i didn't want to think about the brain tumor in my head and um that's where i was heading until all this keto stuff happened i was gonna i was like all right i guess i'll be a history teacher or I'll, i'll work um with my family business which i do now and i love but I'm also hoping to increase what I'm doing with keto, in the future. Where do
0: you like? Where do you want to go going forward? Like, how, how old are you now? I'm 23. 23 now. Yeah. So, you know, in a perfect world, kind of with what you know and kind of what you're learning on a day-to-day basis, where do you see yourself going? Like, what what's driving you now?
1: Um, what's driving me now is, I guess, in an ideal world, I wanna I wanna do something with Josh Perry, um, going forward. We've mentioned like a speaking tour because um, that's what he does right now is he goes around and shares his story. But I think I can also offer my side, which is the epilepsy side, and just kind of spread the word of keto, even though there's so many amazing people like yourself doing it right now. Um, I think it's, it's good for people to see living examples of um, mitochondrial dysfunction and metabolic dysfunction like myself um, and say, look, like this could help you. Mm-hmm. But ideally, I want to find a way to help people make a living doing it um, through keto. I just got to find a way to do it first, but I've got some time.
0: It's, it's the coolest thing, man. Like when you're able to feel so convicted over something that you just want to sink your whole life into it, pour yourself and your life into it, and then see the fruits of that labor help somebody else. You know, whether that be sharing your story, going on a tour and speaking at events um, or whatever that may be, you know, like that is the pinnacle of success and fulfillment in my mind. Like when you when you can see firsthand how what you're doing on a day to day basis is improving the life of others, you know, in, in ways they never even thought possible. Like, I mean, imagine if you had never heard of keto and didn't know it as, as an option. I mean, you'd, I'd be you right. would not be yeah you would not be in the place you are now. Um But now, I mean, I think honestly, the reason this keto community has been so, you know, strong and and quick to grow is because once people experience it and see how profoundly it impacts their life, like I was, I was screwed up in the head. I had like all kinds of eating disorders. I just wasn't able to function. Um, I mean, I was, I was just not in a good spot physically, mentally, or emotionally and it this was the pivotal factor that changed that like it wasn't the reason for all the change but it was the pivotal factor that changed that just as it sounds like it has been for you and when you have that and then you you start to compound that positivity and just everything in your life starts to flourish i mean you can't help but not want to share that with somebody else then they start to experience the same thing and then they're talking about it to other people and i mean the 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 power of you know word of mouth and just spreading spreading the positive and the good news is is hard to 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 really dial in on and, and quantify but it is the coolest thing in the entire world man like i i i'm just amazed and a constant of amazement every day
1: i know i know and it's continuing to amaze me every day and that's something i've learned it's not just a diet It's keto it's um it's a lifestyle i mean everyone is so positive in it that i've met and if one thing someone takes away from this, it's uh, to keep a positive mindset. Obviously, I encourage a low carb ketogenic diet, but also just mindset. I mean, even after the first surgery, I, I was I was grateful to be alive, but I had kind of a survivor's guilt mentality going on there because I had seen some bad stuff in the hospital and some very sick people that weren't going to make it out. And after my second surgery, I just had and Josh really helped me flower this this um gratitude of just everything. Mm-hmm. I mean like replacing I have to to with I get to. You know, like stupid things like, oh like I, I have homework. It's like, no, I get to do homework. Like I'm alive. Like I made it out. I'm breathing. It's just stuff like that. And this community embraces that so much and I love that. Especially at the summit. I mean you saw it. Everyone's just so passionate and, and friendly and positive and I think that's such a key takeaway is just your mentality can overcome anything
0: what do you think your mentality was like like how would you describe your mindset before you were faced with this you know life-changing uh situation like before you knew you had anything wrong with you like what what were you thinking like i mean you were a college kid 20 years old i could only imagine you know probably wasn't yeah. super productive
1: yeah exactly i was i mean i had had is- issues before even this, I mean, I bouts with serious depression and I don't know if that had something to do with like the tumor in my brain messing with brain chemistry before I discovered it when, when I was young mm-hmm. or if it was carbs, I was eating so many carbs and garbage. But my mentality, I was very woe is me growing up at certain times where I would feel sorry for myself and like would would just focus on dumb stuff that didn't matter and let it ruin my day and i would just get so caught up in stuff like that and this whole experience has changed my life in such a positive way when people say like oh i'm sorry this happened to you i i usually always say i'm not because it's helped me so much in so many ways like i'm i've gained i've gained such a gratitude for life but also just everything inside of life just every little thing in it and i try and work on that every day just being present and working on gratitude. And so beforehand, (laughs) my mentality was just garbage as well, as as well as my diet, but everything since has just been improving.
0: You know, it's, it's funny. I, I look at, you know, my life, look at your life. I look at, um, like I'm, I'm reading can't hurt me right now by David Goggins. And I, I just, I look at the people that have had this total life switch. And their mindset's just totally done 180 degree uh turnaround. And I feel like, you know, when you're when you're going through a hard time initially or the first several times, it it just it, it's you just it just sucks. Like you have that woe is me mentality. And no matter what you do, it's like the world's out to get you. And when you're when you're like that, it's easy to fall into depression. It's easy to just live and breathe in the darkness. And the darkness just becomes your norm. And then you you start to not necessarily embrace it, but just accept it. And there's like no light at the end of the tunnel because like darkness is your home. And when, I don't know what, I mean, what, whatever it is that, that triggers that shift in thinking, I mean, it's a different, it's very individualized. I mean, you can't put a finger on it really. But once you have that and you you really start to gain perspective on, you know, how much you can leverage the shit that happens to you and turn it into like a positive thing in your life that you can leverage and make into your strength, it's almost like you want more of it. Like you diagnosed with this brain tumor, you had the epileptic, epileptic uh, seizures, and here you are today, and you're not you're not regretting them. I mean, you're thankful for them.
1: And I'm, I, I think one of my main takeaways from this is I hope people don't have to have life-threatening situations to take life not for granted. Um, because that's what it took for me to finally realize how lucky and grateful I am for everything in my life. Um, but if I, I I don't think I ever would have gained that if it didn't happen to me, but it, it doesn't have to happen to you to realize how lucky we are in just so many ways. And, um, now I just let things, I think I say every day, at least once or twice could be worse just because, um. It could be. It really could be. Um, so it's just, I've gained such a great appreciation for everything. And I still work. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. I'm not, it's not like I'm going around every day, like smiling. Like it's, it's a continuous project to work on being grateful. And, um, I still battle stuff sometimes, but you just got to go back and say, look, I could still be in that hospital bed. I could still be there. I could be dead, but I'm not here. Um, I get to talk to great people like yourself. I'm lucky enough to do that, and um, I just love it. I love it.
0: I think you know when when you when you have that gratitude and you you recognize that just simply being alive and breathing is is something to just really take in and and appreciate. Once you recognize that and you have that, it's it's hard. I mean, you're not perfect. Nobody's perfect, and you're still gonna have times where you're just pissed off and the day's just not going for you. But it's, it's really hard to fall into like an actual deep depression once you, and you know, can fully appreciate life. Like once you appreciate life, I don't even know if depression is possible. Um, simply being alive is is a lot better than the alternative.
1: It's so true. I mean, stuff that used to ruin my day, maybe even a week, now I just kind of laugh at. <laughs> like I could stub my toe and be in like a lot of pain and I'll just crack up laughing. And it sounds crazy to some people, but I'll just be like, I'm not going to let this get me down. Like, I kind of see it as a challenge. Like, I Sometimes I put myself in that mindset that our right, life's trying to put me down right now. I'm, I'm going to fight that and say, no, I'm just going to smile back. And um, I think if we can all try and do that, that's a huge takeaway as well. It's just see it as a challenge. See it as someone, it's life trying to put you down. Don't fall for it. Fight back.
0: Do you have any, like, like do you journal or do you um, write things down or do you have any like specific technical you know, things that you do throughout the course of a day to, you know, show appreciation, gratitude, mindset or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So I actually, Josh and um, Josh Perry and Ryan Lowry actually got me onto the gratitude journaling where mm-hmm. you come up with three things you're grateful for every day. And then what would make today awesome. And I am uh, affirmations. Um, So I do that. I, I try to do that every day and that's made such a positive impact on me.
0: You know what yours were for today?
1: Uh, yes, today today was uh, an easy one for me. I try not to repeat myself every time, but today I said I was grateful for my girlfriend. Yesterday was her birthday. We had a great night. Uh, my family. And then I also said I'm grateful that I get to be on a podcast I've been listening to for, I guess, eight months now. Um, <laughs> just like I'm like starstruck being on it. But um, so that's what I was grateful for.
0: No, That's awesome, man. I um uh, I, I need to get back into it. I, I was doing that for a while and then I just I don't know what I've got an issue with writing. like I, I, I tend to start writing and then I just wind up stop writing after a couple months of sticking to it. But I think you know, just simply having a gratitude journal is, is probably the single best thing you can do for your yeah. sanity because it's hard to be mad, mad at the world or mad at the day when you when you can reflect on a tangible thing that you're you know grateful for. like it's hard to be a mean, bad. Pissed off person when you're happy about something in life, you know.
1: Yeah, especially if you can see it on paper too. I mean, and you can see the things that you have in your life that you should be grateful for. I think, and especially in the morning to start off your morning, I think that's a great thing to do.
0: I think I'm gonna start doing sticky notes. I feel like if I put sticky notes on my bathroom mirror, I feel like I could stick to that. <laughs> stick to that better.
1: <laughs> I just do that in my office too. So I'm just yeah I'm having a happy day. Just look at that stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so tell me, man, what what is a typical day in the life now, like with the with the nutrition? let's dive into that a little bit. What are you doing? You said the, the higher fat ratio, seventy five to eighty percent. Kind of expand on that, um, with regard to to what you're doing for nutrition.
1: Um so a typical day for me, I I'm actually battling so I guess I should have thrown this in the beginning, but um I also have chronic insomnia from my either my tumor, my brain surgery, whatever that, that did my brain chemistry or um my seizure meds that I'm still on and slowly coming off of um because keto's been helping so much. Uh, so I try and, I try and get to bed. I mean I'm like, I I use like blue screen glasses and I um I go to bed around like ten because I know it's gonna take a while for me to fall asleep. Get up at like seven, um, do my affirmate my um, gratitude, and go to work. I do a sixteen to eight fasting window, so I do intermittent fasting every day. Um, but I'm actually just starting doing this new nutrition slash training with Danny Vega um he's coaching me a little bit so i'm trying out some new meals there and increasing my protein <laughs> he's got he's kicking my butt with uh workouts i'm so sore right now
0: that's good man he knows his stuff for sure
1: yeah yeah when um so at lunch every day or right before i break my fast i'll go and do resistance training or fasted hit training Um, at my lunch break, and then I'll break a fast. With actually, what I'm loving right now is those keto bricks. (laughs) It's just so handy because I mean, I'm not I'm not that good at preparing like meals the night before. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, those just come. I mean, it's like a thousand calories, and it's it's so easy to bring into work. So I've just been doing that, and then like a protein shake with MCT oil. Um, then I'll finish up work and um head back home or go and see my girlfriend in the city. Mm -hmm. Really what I, what my passion is right now is just researching like new developments in keto. Um, I say researching like I'm a scientist, but I'm just like surfing the web on credible sites like Mm -hmm. ketogenic.com and, and your stuff. And um, I'm just gaining such a passion for that. And that's kind of what gets me out of bed is just, is that type of research. Like I'm so intrigued, especially because it's not globally accepted yet.
0: Yeah, as far as the research goes, what what are you diving into now that that you're finding particularly interesting?
1: That actually there's a few things. Um I guess one that that I I started with was I was never told and I for some reason I found very difficult to figure out why keto helped epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Um, You would think that'd be like an easy answer and I'm sure for a lot of people it is but it took me a while to figure it out. I was Googling it, I was like looking up on books, trying to figure out why it helps. Um, But then I finally came to the answer of uh, mitochondrial function, they use ketones more efficiently. Um, And obviously, with the surgery and the carbs I was intaking, I was just having impulses through my brain and those were the so that's what really spiked this. Now I'm learning about, um, I just listen, re-listened to Grain Brain again by, um, I think it's David Palmer, but, um, I may have the wrong doctor on that. So don't quote me on that, but, um, uh, also gluten sensitivity, but carb sensitivity and mental illness is really intriguing for me right now. Um, specifically with Alzheimer's and bipolar disorder, because again, no one's really, besides the people we saw at the summit, um, it's not globally accepted. No one's talking about nutrition. No one told me about it. So that stuff really fires me up.
0: Yeah, I'm particularly interested in like the, the anti-degenerative diseases like the Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, from a, since, since keto, I mean, keto's obviously been around for forever, but it's not really been researched heavily in that regard. And there's not really any long-term studies that I'm aware of on individuals that have been keto, you know, for extended periods of time, um, yeah. especially going into, you know, the older years. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited to see, you know, as as us, you know, this population that's currently just, you know, deep into the ketogenic research, you know, as we stay keto adapted well into our later years, like what's happening to our health? Um, from an anti-degenerative perspective, like are we going to get those Alzheimer's, dementias, and, and all that, or are we going to be rock solid? I'm, I'm hoping for the latter.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hopeful for the latter as well. I think that we'll see a big change um, unless somehow these harmful cells, like cancer cells, find a way to use ketones and adapt. But I'm not a scientist, so I just know what's working, and I know that I think there's a lot of hopeful results if people follow this diet.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's funny, man. A lot of people they look at um, you know, keto as like this short term fix to, you know, lose ten pounds before a wedding or a cruise or something. And that's like what when people think of keto in the in the, you know, mass population, that's what they think of, just a, a quick weight loss diet. But obviously that's not where you and I are coming from. That's not what gets us excited. I mean, it, it's it's cool to see how a nutritional protocol can have such a profound impact on your long-term health and wellness. And like for you, you know, being not to sound bleak or anything, but like on death row, basically, because of, of you know this, this tumor, it's like you know you're incredibly motivated to stick to the diet. I was talking to Logan Sneed on the podcast, and he had you know brain tumor as well. And I mean, he's hardcore diehard keto because that's just what he knows is going to be the best thing for him to improve the chances of his survival and and live the longest, most fulfilled life he can. And when you have that motivating your nutritional decisions, it's like you can't, you you just don't think about food the same way. Like some people want to, you know, get off the diet and cheat on their their you know, ketogenic foods because they feel like they deserve it. They've been good for so long, yada, yada, yada. And you're coming at it from the perspective of, look, I'm alive because of this diet. the last thing I want to do is veer off and, and just have something that's not, not going to be bringing me closer to my goal, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. There's a few things I want to say. One, you brought up Logan. I mean, he's just an incredible human being and just, I mean, I have a connection with him just because I was misdiagnosed with what he has as a brain mm-hmm. tumor, which is, his is very cancerous um, or was, and he's still living with it, but he's just such an upbeat guy. I met him at the summit and really inspirational. The other thing with, I mean, like you said, like, I, yeah, sure. I'll see like ice cream sometimes and be like, oh man, I'd like a bite of that. But I like knowing what it does to me in my body and like it would destroy my brain. I just don't crave anything anymore. I'm like, I'm all set. Like, I don't want any bread. I I just don't miss it. A lot of people ask me, like, how long do you think you'll be on this diet for? And I'm like, forever? Like, I'm (laughs) I'm never getting off this. Like, I'm going to stay with it because now I know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate that, you know, people that aren't diagnosed with a major illness or cancer or tumor would would think of nutrition like you think of nutrition. But... I mean for that reason alone it's definitely like a blessing in disguise that you had all that uh you know going on with you because now you're setting up a better health pattern and habit for the rest of your life um but i have to assume that you have pretty much like zero patience for people that are wanting to reach a petty goal much less survival um and they just don't have the willpower to stick to what they know is going to get them there
1: yeah i mean i i totally agree and i i see it both ways i mean. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like the keto police where I'm going to be like, no, you have to do this, this, and this. Like I don't judge people that are eating a high carb diet just because not to sound like I'm high and mighty, but they don't necessarily know. And they don't, most people don't have like a chronic illness like myself. Mm -hmm. um, So they don't air quote have to be a keto, but for people, like you said, are just doing it to lose weight. I mean, you can lose weight on a regular diet. It's just calories in, calories out. Um, it's the same with keto. I mean, I, I lost 15 pounds in the first two weeks, but I mean, I gained it back. It's calories in, calories out, but I think calorie to calorie, we know that keto is superior. It's, it's about body function. So again, like it fires me up. I don't know if I'm getting too sidetracked here, but what really, um, I guess angers me is just how many things sugar is in that's hidden. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I'm about to catch a cold, like I can't take airborne. It's like, like chewable tablets, like covered in sugar. Like <laughs> how is that helping me? So there's just like crazy stuff that I didn't even know has carbs or sugar in it that I have to like avoid. But I've, now that I know, like it's, it's easy to be keto. I was just in Japan for, uh ten days and just brought some MCT oil and just knew what not to eat. I had fish and would fast if I if I couldn't eat something at dinner and then I stayed in ketosis the whole time. So like you said, zero patience. Um, Josh Perry always says excuses piss him off. So yeah, I totally agree. There's no you can never come up with a excuse that, Oh, I couldn't do this because of that.
0: Yeah. And, and I, like you said in the beginning, I don't ever want to be seen as a, like a keto police either. Cause I, I'm, I'm not like, I, I do not put myself on a pistol. I have no right to judge people for what they put into their mouth. I'm just coming at it from the perspective of, you know, people, people want things in life. They want, you know, seemingly simple things such as six-pack abs. They want seemingly grand things like, you know, independent individual wealth and success and a, you know, booming career. Like people want all different kinds of things. And it it amazes me that people have the audacity to want and strive for these things, but they lack the willpower, the discipline, the consistency to put in the work to get those things. And From a nutritional standpoint, you know, you only have one body, period. You know, you only have one life. And I just am saddened more than anything. It's honestly just I am saddened to see people throw that away for a short-term, you know, dessert or like a short-term win or just something that doesn't matter. Like it has no weight in the grand scheme of things. And I don't know if it's because they don't believe in themselves. I don't know if it's because they just they don't feel like they can they can achieve that goal. But I don't know, man. Like that that's what really gets me fired up because I truly believe, and I made a video about this yesterday, but everybody has greatness inside of them. Everybody has potential to do great things and offer the world something that nobody else can. There's only one of you. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to Simply having the opportunity and being alive on this planet to search that out and give your everything to to bring it into to fruition and, and, and light and, and make it a thing because you will die someday. And, you know, thank goodness you didn't die when you were 20 years old. But now because you came so close to that, you're just so freaking lit up and invigorated on life that you're going to give it everything you've got to reach every goal you've ever had, you know, and that's awesome to see.
1: Yeah hundred percent, man. And I mean, thank you for saying that. I I couldn't agree any more with that. I mean, I have goosebumps over here because just so many, like, I hate seeing people throw it away. Um, I'm sure we'll touch into this, but I I get very frustrated. Well, I try not to, but I'm still frustrated with the medical community and how I, I was never even told about this until after two scalpels were in my head. You know what I mean? Just to think that there's so many preemptive measurements until I have to, you know, do these two risky operations, which I still have permanent, well, hopefully not permanent damage from, but I'm missing a chunk of my brain and I still have double vision and going on this diet could have just, you know, stopped it all together. I don't, what I tell myself is, look, I mean, it's not like doctors are out there doing this maliciously. They're not like plotting against us to, oh, like let's make them eat carbs, they're only taught, like, I think, what, one semester of nutrition in medical u- universities? So, mm-hmm. I think it's just more ignorance than it is um, being malicious. So, I try not to get frustrated with that, but there's so much room for improvement. And that's what gets me excited is just knowing that there is a, a solution out there for so many things and it's in the keto. So, I think if anyone is to take anything away from what I'm saying... Um, first of all, I'm not a medical doctor, so I'm not saying if you do keto, you're going to be epilepsy free. I'm just saying, I think by sharing my story of, I have drug resistant epilepsy and a very rare brain tumor. And I went from three to five seizures a day to, I haven't had one now over a month. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, there's nothing, you have nothing to lose in trying to diet going, headfirst into the diet. So that's my number one takeaway to people. But you, also, you don't have to be an epileptic. I think everyone should be on this diet.
0: It's kind of crazy because like I've heard stories of people talk about, you know, how their their kid had epilepsy or something. And then, you know, the the diet wasn't even brought up as a possible option until like way down the line after multiple drugs have been used. And then it was kind of like, you know, mentioned as an afterthought, like, well, there's this diet, but it's kind of crazy. Hopefully, you don't have to go there. And it's like, wait, 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 what? That should be totally reversed. I mean, <laughs> food food should be the first solution to any problem, not a whole bunch of man-made chemicals and drugs. And until, I mean, I don't know, like America in particular, like our healthcare system, our medical system, we are top flight when it comes to, you know, if if you have to have surgery, if you're having some kind of, like, if you get in a car accident, like, we're there for you. We got you. But when it comes to our outlook on, you know, being proactive and preventative as, instead of reactive, like, we are we are backwards on that. And the nutrition, I mean, we can't expect this to be handed to us. We can't expect, you know, the government to be making the moves on this. We we, we damn sure can't expect the pharmacology to be making a move on this. Like, this has got to come from within us in our own desire to do what's right for our own bodies because I mean nobody's going to care much about our bodies as
1: we are and and that's a shame that we have to rely on ourselves but also at the same time I think it's also a blessing in disguise because you look at it and you're like hey I I did this by myself like I figured this out Um, I mean obviously I didn't do it by myself I had so many people helping but it's like knowing just self-empowerment you get from doing this because what's you're told by your medical doctor not to do, Mm -hmm. um, or that, like you said, like I, I myself was told this is a, um, I believe the direct quote was it's impossible to sustain. Um, so that's why it wasn't mentioned to me, but here I am. I've been doing it for almost nine months now and doing great on it. So, I, it's just I don't know. It amazes me, but I think the whole self empowerment part is is great. Um, but I wish it wasn't that way. I wish that this was taught, you know, in schools and in medical universities. But maybe one day that's our job.
0: Yeah, man. That, that's that's where you and I come in. You know, you sharing your story like you are right now today. I mean that this is this is kind of going back to the whole grassroots philosophy where it's making a difference, you know, one person at a time and growing like wildfire, man. So, so thank you. I I appreciate you, you know, being able to come on and talk on this podcast more than you possibly know, man.
1: Absolutely, man. I don't, you have no idea how honored I am to be on this podcast. Uh, I mean, seeing you at the summit, I just went shot in the dark and introduced myself and said, you know, thank you for what you do and, and, you know, sharing all this information. And what you said back to me was, you are. I told you my story, and what you said back to me is, "You're the reason we do what we do," and that mm-hmm. just really resonated with me because it was like, "Wow, this community is just so selfless, and they're just doing this, you know, for the betterment of other people." And when you offered me on here, I was just, <laughs> I still am starstruck because I've been listening to all these podcasts for so long. But thank you so much, man.
0: Absolutely, man. I mean, you you you'll find this too now that you're in this space and and putting yourself out there you know, on social media and, and you know, coming on a podcast, I'm sure you'll have many more to come, but like, no, no monetary gain makes this worthwhile. None of that even matters. Like we all have mm-hmm. to pay bills, obviously. Um, but I, I, I've said this before, multiple podcasts too, the emails I get back, the the DMs I get back, just the messages I get back, the the letters I get, like, the the people that take the time out of their busy days to say, hey, you know what? Something you said here or there made a difference in my life. Like that is what wakes me up in the morning. Like, hands down, no questions asked. Like, there's little nuances of, of my day-to-day that that I have to get done for sure, you know. But what actually gives me any sense of fulfillment in my life, the life that I'm living right now, what makes my life worthwhile? is those emails, those letters, and these conversations. And I'm excited for you to experience that because once you do, man, there ain't no looking back and you just have this new sense of invigoration and you become addicted and you just have to keep putting out more and more content, more and more quality and meet more and more people because it becomes a drug that you just can't get enough of.
1: Yeah, man. And I think I'm already getting a little piece of that just from, I mean, I I don't have many followers, but just like every, every person that, I've encountered, there have been people that have reached out to me and, and like say like, you're an inspiration and they're going through something that, I mean, I don't know how to say, but I, I guess it's way worse than what I was going through. Like someone, a, a girl is going through breast cancer has reached out to me and told me how inspirational I am. And I'm, I'm like, you have no idea how inspirational you are. And mm-hmm. like her name is keto against cancer on Instagram. And she's just been doing a uh, keto to stave off her breast cancer. And just like people are incredible. And I just love this stuff like that. Like you said, that fires me up. And if I can change one person's life and I mean, let alone save them by hopefully, um, with the diet, but it's just like, even, even if I can change someone's mindset, that's a win. Like that just fires me up.
0: I love it, man. I got goosebumps right now. I love it. Me too. Well, well, Miles, where can people go to, to find out more about you, man? Give, give, you an opportunity to interact with more people. Where where can they find out more about you?
1: Um, they can find me on uh, Instagram as my name is Keto and then Mammoth, i O T H. I'm called that because I'm 6'8 eight. <laughs> yeah, my brother my brother Nick named me that when I was when I first started this, and I had a big beard at the time. So I've been sticking with it ever since. But yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram as Keto Mammoth, and I share as many of my old photos from in the hospital and just like my daily routine as much as I can
0: I love it man I love it well again Miles, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to jump on here I really really do appreciate it and if there's ever anything I can do for you man please don't hesitate to reach out
1: thank you so much man I mean I, I can't explain how honored I am but With thank the feelings you.
0: mutual. all right brother well we'll be in touch and uh keep killing it man keep killing it you too take care buddy